To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious, and hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope. And I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Benvenito. Welcome to episode four of the SF in Translation podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Cordasco. This episode is being recorded on Monday, April 30th, and will focus on SFT-related news, releases, etc. from April 1st through today. This episode also includes my interview with the very talented Italian author, editor, and publisher, Francesco Verso. So stick around through my yakking to hear about his latest projects, his writing process, and his novel Next Human, out from Apex this August. So, April, it was good to us. We got a lot of short fiction, several novels, excerpts, and some great reviews. And remember, links to all of these will be in the show notes. Let's start with the short fiction. Clark's World brought us The Wings of Earth by Zhang Bo, translated from the Chinese by Andy Dudak. And it's a unique take on an otherwise common alien encounter story. This is Zhang's first story in Clark's World, and I hope we see many more. Next up is Italian author Piero Chavocampo's story, Fifth You Shall Not Waste, translated by Sarah Jane Webb, who, by the way, has brought and continues to bring a lot of Italian SF into English. So thanks, Sarah. This was featured on the Akashic Books website, which started a fry sci-fi series a little while ago. Piero's story is a near-future dystopia about the consequences of resource drain and dramatic cultural change. From Asymptote Journal, we have two stories translated from the Korean. Aspirin by Park Ming-Yu, translated by Agnel Joseph, and Taklamakan Misdelivery by Bae Myung-Hoon, translated by Sung-Ryu. This month even brought us some Dutch post-apocalyptic SF entitled Catching Dogs with Dogs by Rob Van Essen, translated by Kristen Gehrman on the site 2374. You may have also seen World Literature Today's special issue on speculative fiction from around the world. Included were stories by Pierrette Flotiot and Anne Richter, both translated from the French by Edward Govin, Angelica Gordischer, translated from the Spanish by Amalia Gladhart, and Rodrigo Frezan, translated from the Spanish by Cecilia Wedel, as well as a translator's note, also by Edward Govan. Moving on to novels and collections. The fourth volume in Kurodahan Press's excellent Speculative Japan series came out this month, including stories by Ken Asamatsu and Akira Hori, and translations by Tyron Grillo, Ginny Tapley Takamori, and Daniel Huddleston. From Small Beer Press, which has been on a freaking roll lately, we had The Invisible Valley by Su Wei, translated from the Chinese by Austin Werner. 
This is a novel that defies easy categorization, but it's part eco-fantasy, part history, and part coming-of-age story set in Hainan during the Cultural Revolution. Werner has done a wonderful job translating this into English, and you can read my review of the novel on the SFT site. Next up is, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to go with One Iron by Laura Lindstedt, translated from the Finnish by Owen Weitzman, and Out from One World. This book won the prestigious Finlandia Prize and explores the question of what follows death and also delves into the lives and experiences of seven women who meet in a white, undefined space seconds after they've died. Sounds pretty interesting. And of course, Rachel's always happy when a new volume of Legend of the Galactic Heroes comes out. This month, it's Volume 6, Flight, translated from Japanese by Tyron Grillo and out from Haikasoro. And don't forget that Volume 7 is coming out this August. Flight follows up on the Galactic Empire's victory over the Free Planets Alliance and focuses on an assassination plot against the Emperor which may have been organized by residents of the Church of Terra in the Holy Land, otherwise known as a small backwards planet called Earth. Check out reviews of the five previous volumes of this fantastic space opera on the SFT site. And finally, out from New Directions, we have a new novel in English by Yoko Tawada called The Emissary, translated from Japanese by Margaret Mitsutani. Tawada writes in both German and Japanese, and if you haven't already, you should check out her previous novel, written in German, translated into English, called Memoirs of a Polar Bear, also out from New Directions. Despite the fact that this is a dystopia, Japan suffers some unclear massive disaster and cuts itself off from the rest of the world, Tawada extracts joy from the ruins in her creation of a child who, while feeble and sickly, functions as a beacon of hope and optimism. And now a couple of excerpts that are available online. You can read an excerpt from The Invisible Valley, as well as a wide-ranging interview with the translator, both in the excellent Samovar magazine. And Haikasuru offers us a short selection from Legend of the Galactic Heroes Volume 6. And now some reviews out there. First, I would like to welcome Daniel Hauser to the SFT site. He is also a Skiffy and Fanti contributor, and he will be bringing us reviews of short SFT every month on the SFT site. Check out his first set of reviews in the next couple of days. Very excited. Okay, and other reviews around the net. Michael Orthofer of the Complete Review discusses One Iron, giving it a very respectable B rating. Aditya Singh reviews Sisyphean on Strange Horizons. Galen Strickland reviews the wonderful Future Fiction Anthology on the Templeton Gate. And on the SFT site, I reviewed The Invisible Valley and Rodrigo Frizan's brilliant The Bottom of the Sky, translated by Will Vanderheiden. And now let's step into Rachel's Corner where I tell you a little bit about what I'm currently reading, translating, other good things. So life is crazy, and I say yes to way too many things that people ask of me, but how can I resist anything that has to do with books? I can't. Anyway, I'm currently reading something that actually isn't SF in translation, but it's still SF. Vandana Singh's Ambiguity Machines and Other Stories. No wonder I see her name all over the place. 
Her lovely stories weave together themes of memory and space-time manipulation and time travel and much more. I fell in love with this collection on the very first page. In terms of translation, I've taken a quick break from working on Nicoletta's story to finishing up the first part of a gritty work of speculative noir from Italy. More on that soon. Also, my translation of Maurizio Cometto's haunting story La Tierra Blanca will be included in the first volume of the Silent Garden Collective, a journal of esoteric fabulism, and the first volume is coming out this August, so I'm very excited about that. And finally, it was an immense pleasure to meet renowned Argentine author Rodrigo Frezan in person at Volumes Book Cafe in Chicago last week. We had a fascinating conversation about his views on science fiction, pop culture, film, and much more. Open Letter has been publishing his books, translated by Will Vanderheiden, and is bringing out more. You can get your paws on the invented part now and the bottom of the sky next month. And the dreamed part will be out soon. I highly encourage you to read Rodrigo Frazan. You will fall in love immediately. Okay, so enough of my yakking. You can find everything I've mentioned here in the show notes. And you can find me on the SFT page on Facebook, on Twitter at R-C-O-R-D-A-S, on Goodreads at the Speculative Fiction in Translation group page, and you can email me at rachel at sfintranslation.com. So if you find out about some short SFT online or a novel that you're not sure I know about or have featured on the site, please feel free to drop me a line and let me know because I rely on all of you to uh, keep me updated. There's a lot out there. It's hard to keep track. So let me know, rachel at sfintranslation.com. And now, let's go to my interview with Francesco Verso. Enjoy, and happy reading. Hello, I am here with Francesco Verso for our interview for episode four. Francesco is a full-time writer and editor of the Future Fiction Multicultural Project, translating the best SF from around the world. Over the last 10 years, he has published Idal, which won the Urania 2008 Award, Livido, which won the 2014 Italia Award, and will be published here in the U.S. by Apex Books as Next Human and Bloodbusters, co-winner of the 2014 Urania Award. Francesco's stories have been translated into four languages and have appeared in various magazines. His latest two-novel story is called E Caminatori, The Walkers. He lives in Rome with his wife and daughter. Welcome to the podcast, Francesco. Hello, Rachel. Hi, everybody. So uh, the first question is, when and why did you launch Future Fiction? And what are some of the exciting projects that are coming up? Well, Future Fiction started uh, some four or five years ago. And uh, the reason uh, was very simple. Um, When I was going to bookstores in Italy, I was finding always the same kind of, uh, of book. Um, written by the same kind of person, um, namely 
you know, the <laughs> white American man uh, or, or a white Amer American woman. Anyway, someone that was coming from a particular part of the world, it could be the UK. But the thing was the language. Uh, language uh, was always English. So I was asking myself, where is the rest of the world? What happened to the future of the rest of the world? So this very simple desire, this curiosity to understand uh, if it's really true that uh, uh, the future is already here but is not uh, equally distributed, as uh, uh, William Gibson said in the 80s, uh, was really true. And in, in reality, what I found is that it's not like that. Because, for example, in, in an interview I did to Ian MacDonald, he said that at this moment, when a piece of technology comes out, um, whether you live in Manila, in the Philippines, or you live in, in Bangladesh, or you live um, in Germany or in Argentina, you get the same kind of iPhone, you get the same kind of technology. So, yes, of course, there is still a problem of access uh, to these technologies, but the people can, can, can buy it and can, can get it and can have the same experience all over the world. The same doesn't happen in science fiction, um, where you get the same kind of book uh, everywhere, but um, it's a one-way uh, kind of uh, market. It's a market that goes from the English-speaking countries to the others, and uh, there's also many indexes that says that it takes very short time to have a book translated from English to other languages, and it takes ages, if ever, <laughs> the, other, the other way around. Uh, so I started this personal quest to find the best authors from uh, the other countries, and at the beginning, it was very simple because the best authors from other countries sometimes, um, very often, are translated in English. So, in a way, I could get their stories read in English. Then, the second phase was to go and get them in the original language and uh, set up a group of people that could help me to at least have summaries and synopses read so that I could... Uh, choose them and um, uh, select them uh, and translate them and publish them. Um, in more than four years, I've published around 60 or 70 short stories, um, two three novels. I've come up with uh, four or five anthologies and um, I've translated for the for the first time in Italy uh, the, um, a dual language anthology with contemporary uh, Chinese science fiction uh, a big project where we go to, to schools universities Confucius Institute to also promote the idea, the idea of uh, multiculturality um, to the community of uh, uh, Chinese people that don't know nothing about their country so mm, this is basically uh, the, the project and uh, what we will do um, in the next uh, month is, for example, having uh, a German science fiction anthology, having uh, a Spanish science fiction anthology, 
And uh, if I can do it uh, next year, it could be, I hope so, <laughs> Afro science fiction. And uh, the, the, the phenomenon of the Afrofuturism, which I'm very curious and interested about. Yeah, that seems to be something I've been seeing a lot more people writing about. I think that'll be great. I think these anthologies are a really great way to introduce people to a whole bunch of writers, you know, at once that they can then kind of say, oh, I'm interested in, especially in this person and that person, and then kind of look forward to other things that you publish by them. Yeah, it's quite simple for me. I mean, I've uh, been uh, reading a lot of uh, uh, science fiction coming from every corner of the world. And the idea I got is that the best authors from each country are absolutely comparable to the middle author that we get from, from the English market. It's just a matter of, I mean, the, the good message is that quality is, is, the, is everywhere. And uh, we just have to go and, and seek and, and find it. Because if the, met the metaphor I've come up with is like this. If we um, go fishing into the same small pool, even though it's big as the English language, we might end up with the same kind of fish. While if we go fishing in the ocean, we might get, you know, much more diverse fishes, extraordinary things. And that doesn't mean that we don't have to, 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 to get uh, the, the, the previous fishes, but we just have a bigger pool. And this is also a kind of evolutionary approach, you know. A bigger pool of writers keeps the genre fresh and alive, while a smaller group is not able to um, adapt to the changes because science fiction is changing. And uh, um, I, I, I believe that this is the right approach to do it. It is a very scientific approach, so <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think more and more people are interested, you know, in, in learning more about the status of science fiction around the world because it is written everywhere. It's the translation that becomes the issue. And speaking of translations, I want to ask you about Next Human. So it's coming out in August from Apex Publications, and it came out in Australia, was that 2016? 15, I guess. 2015, yes. And so Next Human is bringing that out in just a few months from now in the U.S. And you and I have talked about your writing and, you know, what you've been doing as time has gone by. But I want, I want to know what the genesis of Next Human was. So how you came up with the idea about it. It's, it's a wonderful novel. I, I recommend it to everyone. And how long it took you to write. It's, it's very complex. There's a lot of, a lot of ideas in it. So if you could just kind of talk about that. Well, the, the idea was uh, a real scene that I've lived. Uh, I was uh, uh, coming out of uh, a flea market in, in Rome with my wife. And uh, outside there was a huge um, trash bin. Um, you know, we have this problem in, in Rome with, with, with garbage. It's, it's, the, the city is quite dirty and, uh, we have also a, um, a problem with, uh, with, uh, immigration and, and, and gypsies that, that come from the east of, of Europe. So the thing was that inside this big trash bin, there was a, a kid, a kid that was probably 
eight or nine years old, and he had found a doll, a big doll, just this size. And he was caressing it, he was um, cleaning it, he was taking care of this doll like it was his girlfriend. Um, this doll had uh, um, really uh, red hair. And, uh, and then um, uh, he was really, <laughs> like, passionate. And, and it was a touching moment. But then something happened. His mother came along yelling at him, saying that uh, he shouldn't waste time and he should... Uh, continue to look for uh, things of value that they could or sell or keep or use or whatever uh, in order to survive. So this very striking moment of a person um, um, immersed in, in, a, in, in a, an emotional uh, situation with, <laughs> with an object that he, he, he cares so much and the reality of the life he was doing and the pressure he had from his mother it was really really touching and really striking so this image i immediately said to my wife this is this is an idea <laughs> i have to i have to write something about it and that set up the 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 main drama of peter paynes the protagonist of uh, next human and then i had i had the plot uh, very very easily but um, it wasn't easy to write the book. As you said, there are a lot of ideas there. And uh, I wanted to have um, a book that addressed the idea of uh, overcoming our limits, overcoming our um, the, the, the biological and, and, and societal uh, conditions we 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 we're born in and we grow we grow in and and try to break them so it in the book i had to study a lot of uh, uh posthuman and transhuman philosophies uh, because i'm i was interested in how this uh interesting approach to technology and how technology could set some of the human um, um, conditions free uh, or liberate ourselves from our biological um, limits um, was was in a way um, perfect for for the kind of book I wanted to write. There are some ideas that I took uh, from from philosophers like uh, uh, Max Moore, for example. Um, so uh, it deals with. Uh, our never-ending desire to overcome our our condition, our human condition, and also a little bit trying to look into the future of what our uh, future society might look like. It took me probably three years uh, to write it in in the in the final version, and then. Uh, it was a successful novel in Italy, at least in science fiction. I won the Italia Award and the Odyssey Award. And then um, my former agent, uh, Anna Mioni, managed to sell it in Australia. It's a small, a small press uh, called uh, Xum. But then, uh, yes, uh, the, the, the thing changed when uh, uh, Avex decided to, to publish it last summer. So I hope that... Uh, 
uh, US readers will will appreciate this this work coming from from Italy. But anyway, the book is set in an imaginary city, so there is no particular setting, but it could be everywhere. Yeah, it it really can. I mean, just thinking about the imagery of just the the garbage, the city, this just mass of discarded objects and and machines and you know, it's it's like at at once not hard to imagine, but also it seems kind of overwhelming, especially because you know, at least in the U.S., it's, there's the designated landfills are so far away from a lot of the urban centers and stuff that you, you really don't think about it. But then when you see it, you know, either on TV or or if you're near one, you think, oh, my God, this is what we produce, you know. And what are we going to do when we run out of space? Like, are we going to put it on the moon? Are we going to put it into space? Like, what are we going to do with the trash? And I can't really think of anything else I've read that has actually addressed that in such a, an appropriate way, because yes, you know, once we are surrounded by it, people are going to, to look at it in a new way, you know, and say, how can I use it? It's everywhere. And how can I make use of it? I mean, people do that on a small scale now, but you know, what do we do when, when it takes up so much more space? Yes, this is, um, a huge problem. I I had a major in in environmental economics back in in the university, and um, we as humans tend to you know not wanting to see um, what we don't like. So far 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 from the eye, far from the heart. So that's why we put this uh, landfill away from from the from what we can see uh, in a way is <laughs> is is a human uh, desire but uh, on the other on the other side you will have to uh, come at at, at uh, some 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 day it will it will you know you will have to realize that this is not the way we do we must do it and so the book addresses the idea of uh, Anything that is is rejected, uh, it it addresses the um, an object uh, rejected, a feeling rejected, a body rejected, um, so a species rejected. Um, so I started from there, and I I'm I think. Uh, this 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 scheme that I've just uh, shown. It works out uh, because we have to accept a rejection, and <laughs> also as a writer, <laughs> and uh, and try to to overcome this feeling, and uh, try to 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 circle that out, try to find solution for things that um, seems impossible, like translating an Italian book in America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's I feel like. People translate, you know, translation is just not, it's not lucrative. But I think the more that people who can do it think more about kind of more broadly about what is out there, you know, there might be more interest in, uh, in translating speculative, you know. Well, let, let me tell you, it's lucrative for me because I have no competition. So it's, uh, it's very simple as that. Um, when I go to the book fairs, I can sell very simply, really, really simple, because nobody has what I have, 
and um, so I just put it there. <laughs> whoever whoever gets it first has a, as a leverage, as an advantage over the others, um, and it's coming. It's it's just like that. It looks like science fiction is moving to the next phase. So uh, there's an opportunity there. Um, it might be. It might need some some adjustment. It might need some investment at the beginning, but I'm I know in the mainstream they are doing it. Come on, uh, literature is translated from from the whole world. Uh, there's still a problem, of course, but uh, there is no such issue like like there is in the science fiction genre. Yeah, it's you know even here it's not very present in academia, for instance. So even just getting people to read science fiction for a class, you know, would kind of get more people interested, but it's a genre, you know, why would we, why would we teach that? But it is taught a little bit here and there and I think maybe more in the future. But, um, so I know you, so you are very busy with future fiction, with book fairs, with traveling, uh, to China and, and here to the U.S. and elsewhere and doing conferences. So while you're, you're doing all of those things, you're also writing. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your writing process and also if, uh, if you can, what you are currently working on. Yes, you're, you're right. Um, the future fiction project took over my life and, uh, I, I have to, I had to change, um, my, my previous habits because I was writing much more, um, before, uh, I had more time. To dedicate to research, reading. Uh, so let's say that mm, basically 80% of my writing is about reading, <laughs> is about uh, finding the ideas, finding the resources, uh, getting getting you know the, the 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 inspiration from or getting really the 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 parts of of work done. By by reading other people' uh, work to to get what they what they did and try not to copy, try not to imitate, but in a way we we are all in this and we we part some kind of of ideas. You know, ideas are are free for everybody, but then it's up to every single writer to put it down in his own way. So this changed because now um, I have to compress my writing process into um, some weeks of the year, let's say two, three, four weeks where I prepare all the work um, and then concentrate everything in these weeks where, where I have to do the, the first version, the first draft. Uh, then I can edit uh, along, along the year. Uh, it's not important when I do it, but uh, I don't have so much time like before, uh, and then uh, uh, now it's all a matter of uh, planning correctly, uh, having a schedule, having also a schedule of the, of what I have to write. So having summaries of each chapter, for example, um, where I have to go. I I have always have a you know plan of of the a plot of the of the novel what I'm writing. Especially when it, when it's uh, novels, when it's short stories, is that's not very important. You, a short story you can write it in a couple of weeks and then edit it. But for a novel, uh, it's it's much more complicated. I make this comparison like uh, a short story is a hundred meter dash, 
and while a novel is a marathon so you need to train a lot to to be able to finish the marathon and be alive um for for my projects um i am finishing this two story novel uh the first one as you said is uh, i camminatori the walkers um the first book is called the pool dogs it's out uh in italian out in italian and i hope i will find someone interested about it when i will come to the reader con in uh, in july the book has already been uh, translated in english by wonderful translator uh jennifer delair that i i really thank her very much for her work is amazing and uh the second book i just need 30 pages and it will be called nomad land that is plain with nomad and nomad um so let's say the first book is about moving from a sedentary life to a nomad one neo nomad one and the second one is what will these people do when once they have gained this this nomadic lifestyle yeah i I read the summary of pool dogs i i can't wait to to read it it's it's in my stack oh my god so many things but um how did you uh did it kind of develop organically this this two-part novel so you said it's two stories so it are you you're considering it one novel but two parts yes Uh, let's say I, i i don't like trilogies i don't like series i don't like these uh serialization of things not very much it's not my style um of course there are better authors than me that can do it with great success but it's not in my not my cup of tea uh, as is as as the english say um so i but anyway i had a big story so i had to come up with a solution because it's uh, it's a choral story with six um characters um and uh, i wanted to uh, find a practical way to 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 publish it so i split these three characters in 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 three for each book and uh, basically this the the the, the, the books are three novelettes of uh, around uh, 80 100 pages each so each book is around 200 300 pages uh it's too big to be one single book i don't know maybe maybe one day i could do it or some publisher would do it i don't know but uh, for me it's it's a good way to to make it in in this way and it's not so taunting not so you know huge uh, as 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 a big book could be yeah i i'm really looking forward to reading it and to meeting you in person at ReaderCon. I think it's going to be great. Yes. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of people to see. And, you know, I've never been there before. So, uh. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. You, okay. We'll figure it out together. <laughs> yes. We're great. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. And I'm sure that people are going to check out Next Human and Future Fiction. And yeah, hopefully, uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org.